Amen. The Bible says uh, to stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance. And so it's just, uh, I, I feel to just kind of remind the church um, of, of maybe some things we've discussed in the past, things that we'll, uh, we'll, we're no doubt going to discuss in the future. And, uh, but I, I've, I've felt this for the last week or so, and just, just this principle, just this specific principle that we're going to talk about for a little while here this evening. Amen. And I just, I, I want to talk on this subject. We need to stay in line. Turn to, turn to somebody and say, we, we, we need to stay in line. Stay in line. Stay in line. Amen. Leading up to our text, which is uh, found in the book of Joshua, and we'll, we'll turn there momentarily, but we find that the children of Israel have already been delivered from Egyptian bondage. But as you read the story, you'll find that because of a lack of faith and because of their disobedience, they're forced to wander around in the wilderness and the desert for 40 years. But now God is, that 40 years has, has transpired and now we find the Lord bringing them into the promised land. Somebody say the promised land. What we need to know about the promised land is that uh, contrary to what some may think, uh, the, the, the promised land is not a type of heaven. Because after they entered into the promised land, how many know they had to fight some giants? And they had to overcome some walled cities. And how many know that we're not going to have any opposition in heaven? No opposing forces in heaven. And so it's not uh, the promised land. When you speak of the promised land, it's not speaking of, of our heavenly reward one of these days. But the promised land symbolizes to us a place that we can enter now, right now where we begin to experience the fullness of God's promises over us as a people. The promised land was a place that he had promised to them. It was the fullness of his blessing. It was the fullness of what he had prepared for them. And he said, this isn't something that you, you know, will experience, you know, some other day in eternity. This is something you're going to experience right now. That I have this for you to experience right now. And so we find that the promised land is a place of blessing. The promised land is a place of favor. The promised land is a place of abundance. It's a place of revival. It is a place of harvest. It's a place of restoration. The promised land is everything, every promise of God uh, towards an individual or towards a church family, which maybe is uh, what I would feel to lean a little bit more towards for this evening's message, but it's that place that God has prepared for us as a local church where we can experience the promises of God. How many want to experience the promises of God? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I, I want to experience everything God has for us as a church. I believe there's some prophecies, there's some unfulfilled prophecies resting over us as individuals and over us as a church, and I don't want to go any longer without, without experiencing those, come on, if they're unfulfilled, I want them fulfilled, I want to see them, I want to walk in them, oh hallelujah, I, I want to experience everything God has for us to experience, and so 
I know I've made this statement a few times in the last week or so, but I feel it so strongly in my spirit that God is setting us up as a church to experience the fullness of what he has for us. Amen. And some of, uh, some of the reason for me to feel that is, is because, uh, well, just frankly, I know some stuff you don't know. Kind of what God's doing, and 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 what and some doors that God's are op- that God is opening that I'm not yet at liberty to talk about. But I just I, I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm I'm so I just I feel in my spirit, Sister Favel. I feel in my spirit that God is He is positioning us in order for us to experience a tremendous harvest and a tremendous outpouring of His Spirit. I believe we are on the cusp of the greatest days of the church. I need to get a witness in the house. I said, and I'm not just saying that people that have been in church for years are like, oh, that's preacher talk. You know, you talk about great revival coming and we clap and whatever. But no, I really feel what I'm talking about. I, I feel like God is doing something and he's positioning us and he's, and, he's, and he's establishing us in the right place in order for us to experience this promised land uh, revival and harvest that he has for us as a people. We, we saw on, on, on Sunday was so exciting uh, that we baptized three. If you weren't here, we baptized three this past Sunday. Let's give God praise for that. Oh, hallelujah. The week before that, we baptized one. The week before that, we baptized another. Amen. God's doing it every week for the last couple of weeks. We're baptizing people in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I'm grateful for it. I'm glad about it. But what was so exciting, all of the baptisms were exciting, and all of them have their own special stories and, and, uh, and, and what God has done in, in order to bring that person to this place for baptism. But one kind of uh, stood out as far as what, what we heard on Sunday that uh, this individual had family in the Philippines and they were, uh, this family all the way in the Philippines was witnessing to him about repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and right there in his house he repented of his sins and God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost and they say you need to find an apostolic Pentecostal church to go to so you can be baptized in Jesus' name. Oh hallelujah. So we got people all the way in the Philippines that are witnessing and inviting and God's moving all over the world on behalf of this local church. Oh, hallelujah. Then I was here uh, Tuesday night. I think it was Tuesday night and uh, doing some work and, and uh, typically a time that I wouldn't have been here, typically a time nobody uh, is, is typically here and I get a, uh, the phone rings and I pick up the phone. It's a, a lady on the other end of the line. She said, I just want to know about your church and, and, uh, and specifically about baptism. And so I begin to talk to her about baptism and, and, uh, uh, and, and what we believe and what the word of the Lord says and on and on and on. She goes, good. She said, we're looking for an apostolic church. We're looking for an apostolic church. And I said, what, what, what's going on? And she didn't go into great detail. She said, but me and my brother, she said, we've been witnessing to a lot of our family members. And we're hoping to have a lot of them ready to be baptized in Jesus' name. And we're looking for an apostolic church that will come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you, God's doing it. God's doing it. Even outside of what we're doing and the evangelism we're doing, God's talking to people in the Philippines to evangelize. God's talking to people that don't even go to this church to evangelize. And and I believe this harvest, I'm trying to tell you, God's setting us up for something. And we're seeing something, and God's doing this, and this is the promised land experience. 
And, I, what, and here's what I feel. I, I feel, uh, if, if, I, if I could put it in like a natural uh, uh, illustration, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a, a, a storm, uh, an earthquake that, is, that has started a, a tsunami. But what happens before you get the tsunami is you start getting a few maybe a uh, little bit bigger waves than what you're used to. And what not, right now I feel like we're starting to experience some of those little bit bigger waves and we're grateful for it and we're thankful for it. But what we have to understand is, understand is there's a tsunami behind it. I, I don't know if it's right behind it or where it is in the scope of all things, but it's coming. I said it's coming. So we're going to be faithful with what God has given us. Come on. We're going to be faithful with what God is doing. We're going to be faithful with the souls God is sending us. We're going to do our best to teach them and disciple them and love them and care for them. We're going to do our best, but we also understand, I feel this so strong, that there's something bigger behind it. Uh, there's something bigger behind it. Oh, hallelujah. And I don't even know exactly how to articulate all everything that I feel. And say, well, what does it look like? What's bigger? What, what, what is specifics? I don't have specifics. I just know that it's something big and God is doing it and he's working it on our behalf. How many want to see that? Come on, how many want to be a part of that? I don't want to be on the outside looking in. I want to be right in the middle of it. I want to get my hands involved in that harvest. I don't want to be on the sidelines looking in. I want to be right in the middle of it. I don't want to just show up for church on a Sunday and see what's going on. But I want to be involved in everything God is doing in the church. Oh, hallelujah. I want to be involved. I want to be involved in what God is doing. And I believe we're on the brink as our, as the Lord brings them out of Egyptian bondage and he's bringing them into the promised land. As we read the story, we find that they, they had to cross over the Jordan River. Cross over the Jordan River and, and, and so on. And there was a point, there was a, there was a time in their, in their life when they were on one side of the Jordan River and the Jordan River is not that uh, big necessarily uh, but they could look across and they could see the promised land. So there was a point when they could see the promise but they were still on this side. I, I, I don't want to just peer into our promises. I don't want to just get right up to the, to the border and just look at what will be or what could be, I should say. But I, I want to experience it. I want to get my hands involved in it. I want to touch with my hands what I've only seen with my eyes. Oh, hallelujah. And so I don't want to stay on this side of the Jordan River peering over into the promised blessings of the Lord, but I want to walk in it and touch it, experience it, encounter it with my own life and in the life of this church. I want it all what God has promised to us. So that leads us now back to our story and back to our text, back to the lives of the people of God, back to the book of Joshua. So here we find them. They've been delivered from Egyptian bondage and Made their way the 40 years. God's now brought them to this Jordan River experience, promised lands on the other side. And I, Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over the Jordan. And the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, now watch it now, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. For Jordan, the river Jordan, overfloweth its banks 
at the time of harvest. Now, this particular part of this story is, is kind of what I've been feeling. Uh, I've been feeling it the last couple of weeks, but then it was shown to me in Scripture, I believe, by this particular part of the story that we just read to you, over Jordan overfloweth all of his banks at the time of harvest. So what we have to understand here, just give me your brains for a little bit, what we have to understand is that the banks of that river, the banks of that river were the definitive lines that kept the river flowing in its proper course. Right? Those banks... If you would allow me to say it like this, those, those banks were the guidelines. Those banks were the parameters in which that river would flow in order to ultimately get to its final destination. And yet at the moment of harvest and at the moment of possessing that which God had promised, the Bible says that the river would have a tendency to get outside of its boundaries. Help us, Lord. It would be at the time of harvest, at the time right before the people of God would take that next step into the promised land. It would be at that moment that it would begin to the river would begin to flow and operate outside of the structure that had been established for it. Outside of the banks. Outside of the lines. Outside of that which had previously guided it to get to where it was supposed to go. And I've pastored long enough to know that it will be in our time of promise when we are about to step foot into what we've only peered across and seen. It'll be at that moment when you and I are going to be tempted in some form, hear me now, in some form and in some fashion to get our flesh out of alignment with that which previously had guarded it and guided it. Am I making any sense now? It will be on the cusp of the greatest revival this local church has ever witnessed that something is going to happen. Mark it down. Not in pencil. You can mark it down in red ink. It's going to happen. Something's going to happen that's going to cause our human will, that human desire to want to push beyond the parameters that God's word have established for it to operate in. Oh, hallelujah. Right before we're going to step in, right? We're all excited. God's doing great things. Man, we're just Flying high. We're hallelujah. It's a word now. This is, we're all excited about God and what he's doing and how he's using our ministries. And then all of a sudden, 
We have an interaction with someone. Right? That doesn't go so good. We have, a, we have an issue. We have an interaction with someone and it doesn't go the way we would want it to go. It, it's, it's a word that was spoken to us or against us. Mm. It's going to be it's going to be something that maybe spiritual authority preaches and teaches and talks about that 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 our flesh wants to rise up against. It's going to be a decision that was made that went against the way we wanted it to go. Come on somebody. It's going to be something at work that happens. It's going to be it's going to be a temptation in the home. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be something that rises up in, in our marriage. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be something that rises up in our finances. I don't know what it's going to look like for everybody. And I'm not saying, I'm not preaching gloom and doom right now. I'm not saying, you know, a hor- something horrible is going to happen. I'm just saying something's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to look like for you, and I don't know what it's going to look like for me, and I don't know where it's going to come from. But the enemy of our soul is going to send each of us that which will tempt us to get out of line, to get out of order as it applies to the word of the Lord and how he would want us to respond. The Jordan River in this context represented that which was out of line, that which was unsubmitted, that which was out of order. For these these are the places that we get to. How many know we get to those places when we allow ourselves to begin to rule? Oh, Jesus, help us now. When we allow self to begin to reign in our lives, when we, when we allow what we want and what we think and how we feel and what our emotions are, when we begin to allow our emotions to dictate our actions, that's when we take ourselves outside of the biblical structure that God has established. And we begin flowing outside of the line. It'll be at our time of harvest. When the enemy tries to get us outside of the biblical structure as it applies to esteeming all others higher than ourselves. Mm, Hallelujah. Hmm. He said, well, you just just don't know. know, the, The Bible doesn't say esteem all others higher than ourselves if they're, uh, you know, friendly. Right? You know, if they bake you a cake and whatever. Just says esteem all others higher than yourselves. And how many know sometimes that's a challenge? <laughs> Where's the rest of you now? Come on, sometimes that's a challenge. We don't want to esteem them. We want to. And it will be that moment when we want to 
kick them down instead of lift them up, more than likely that moment's going to happen right before the open door to promise is made available to us. That's when it's going to happen. That's when the enemy's going to work through carnal people to try to trip you up or work through spiritual people. Because how many know sometimes it's not the enemy? Sometimes it's the word of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. It's, it's going to be right in that moment. Many times when somebody is, is about, even in their particular ministry, that, that I can almost see the hand of God, that he's, he's starting to, and, and I've seen this in, in people's lives. In the past, in 20 years, I, I've seen this where, where I... An individual had a certain specific ministry, and they began to talk to me. They were like, hey, I had this conversation with so-and-so, and and there's a potential door, and I had this conversation, and there's a potential door, and this may happen, and this may happen. And what they didn't know was God was setting them up, and he was wanting to open all those doors for them. But the problem is, is they didn't stick around long enough because a word came to them, and, and somebody did them wrong, and they got offended. Oh, Jesus, help us. And they allow offense in their life or this, that, and the other. And because of that, because of the individual I'm thinking of now, backslid away from God. And there was so much, so much promise and so much possibility. And it was like the Lord was saying, look, here's your promise. You can see it. Here's the promised land. Look, 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 look. You're right there. You're a step away. But it was that moment that the enemy reared his ugly head. And he began to try to cause something to happen. Conflicts with people, conflicts in the home, conflicts in the finances, conflicts with this, that, or the other, whatever it is, trying to stir something up. Because he knows if he can get that person to fall for that trap and to fall for that lie, then the closest he's or she's ever going to come to the promised land is just seeing it from across the way. So it's going to be these moments when more than likely something's going to happen and we're going to have to forgive someone. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It's going to be that moment when we're going to have to forgive. Moment when we're going to have to understand what it, what it means to be long-suffering. Oh, hallelujah. See, You see, church, we, we, can, we can talk about promise all we want. We can run and scream and dance and, you know, rejoice about what's coming, what's coming, what's coming. But there's, there's, there's some stuff that we got to do in order to get there. And please don't, I'm not saying, you know, terrible things are going to come in your life. But I am saying there's going to be a moment. There's going to be an issue. There's going to be something that happens to try to trip us up. Bring division, bring strife, bring whatever. So this, this, this moment, it, it might be a moment when, you know, you would have a tendency, the enemy maybe gives you some, uh, some, some juicy gossip about somebody. You just want to share it. Come on now. For ministry purposes. <laughs> so that 
so that others will know how to pray. Give them all the juicy details. And then like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You probably should pray for them. But it's this moment, I'm trying to tell you, it's this moment when something like that's going to happen. When we have, an, we have, a, we have a, an ability to maybe tear somebody down. Oh, hallelujah. So it's this moment when, the, when, when unity is going to be fought against and when the body ministering to the body is going to be attacked. And it's these biblical principles, some of which I spoke about, some of which there's so many other, but it's going to be these biblical principles of unity and togetherness and prayer and, you know, not gossiping and not tearing one another down and esteeming all others higher than ourselves and forgiving one another and doing good to them that despitefully use you and, you know, on and on and on. It's going to be these principles that, it, that we're going to have to, that we're going to be confronted with the moment before we begin walking in the promises of God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And the reason is because the enemy knows he cannot stop on the outside, from the outside, what God has promised his people. He knows I can't stop it. I can't stop the revival. I can't stop that ministry. I can't stop that anointing. I can't stop it. I can't. He knows he can't stop it from the outside. So what's he got to do? He's got to come to the inside and he's got to start planting lies and he's got to start stirring trouble up and he's, he's got to start stirring up division and stirring up conflict and stirring up this, that, and the other in hopes that the saints of God will take the bait. Right? in hopes that the saints of God will take the bait and fall for that trick and fall for that lie and begin to believe that lie from the enemy and from the adversary of their soul. And so then what the enemy couldn't stop from without, now he has stopped from within. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, don't get offended at what I'm preaching right now because I'm trying to help somebody to get to the place where God desires for you to be. I'm trying to help you get to the place in your promised land for you and your family and for your ministry and the calling of God upon your life. And I'm trying to help you understand that maybe what you are facing, you think it's just this natural thing. You think it's just between me and so-and-so or this, that, and the other. But what you have to realize is it has nothing to do with you and the other person. It has everything to do with the attack of the enemy. And he's just using certain people as a pawn in order to try to bring division and discontent and discord so that all we do is watch promise but never walk in promise. Oh, hallelujah. I felt in prayer today and even in pre-service or prayer service today before uh, I began to preach, the Lord just lay that upon my heart. It's not about them and that person. It, it, it may be, it may seem like on the surface that it's between them and another individual or them and this or them and that, but it's not about them and that person at all. It's about an attack of the enemy. And if we can get that, if, if that could be peeled off and we can begin to see it for what it really is, I think it would help somebody to say, no, 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 no. 
I'm not going to keep going down this road. I'm not going to keep allowing the division. I'm not going to stay in this season of discord. I'm not going to keep fighting. I'm not going to keep struggling. I'm not going to keep doing all this kind of stuff because I realize the only thing it is doing, it is, it is exempting me from my calling. It is exempting me from my purpose. It is exempting me from walking in the promises of God for my life and for my family and for my finances and for my ministry and on and on and on. So I'm going to see it for what it is. I'm going to rebuke the lying devil. I'm going to tell him, get out of my life. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to. We, we war not against flesh and blood. We war not against flesh and blood, but against the lies of the devil himself. And there needs to be somebody. I feel my help right about now. There needs to be somebody that says, I refuse to listen to that lie. I refuse to believe that lie one more day. It's not about me trying to get my way and my will and, and, and to prove that I was right. It has nothing to do with who's right and who's wrong. It's an attack of the enemy. And I'm not going to allow him to win. Come on, somebody praise him in the house. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Well, preacher, you just don't know what they did. You just don't know what they said. And let me just say this for the person in the room who thinks that I'm singling you out. Just know that there's more people in the room besides you that are facing stuff. And I'm preaching to the church right now. And the enemy's trying to tell you, or, or you're, you're, you, would, you would say to me, well, you just don't understand. You just don't know what they did. You just don't know this, that, and the other. You don't know the story. And I just feel like i got to protect this and protect that, and i got to war against this, and i got to say something. Something needs to be said. Something needs to be done. Let me tell you something. Why don't you let the Lord fight your battles? Come on, somebody, hear your pastor right now. I said somebody just needs to be still and let the Lord fight your battles because you're trying to fight in the flesh with that which is a spiritual fight. And as long as you're trying to fight spirit with fleshly means, you're going to lose every time and the devil's going to win every time. But if you'll step back and let God fight for you, if you'll take your hands off and say, God, you fight my battle. I want to get spirit in to fight spirit. I'm here to tell you, you're going to get a witness the fact no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. No weapon formed against your family is going to prosper. No weapon formed against your finances is going to prosper. No weapon formed against your ministry, your future, your calling is going to prosper. Somebody needs to let the Lord fight your battle. Get your hands off it. Put that sword down. Put the sword down and let the Lord fight for you. Come on, somebody praise him in the house. The only reason you're fighting what you're fighting, the only reason you're going through what you're going through is because you are so close to your promise. And somebody's frustrated. Somebody's frustrated. You were saying, I was so close. I was right there. Everything was so good. Everything was going great. We were moving forward in the things of God. Everything was going so well. And then all of a sudden, it was like the rug got pulled out up out from under us. Yeah. That's how it works. Because the enemy knows what you know. And he knows you are a few steps away from your promised land. And the fulfillment of God's promise over your life and over your ministry. And you want to know, he doesn't, he does not want that to happen. 
Now, we've taught, we've taught and we believe and we know around here the enemy has no power other than what? Lies. And so that's all this is. It's all this is, is we're beginning to believe lies. And he causes something to come up and something to arise. And all of a sudden in our mind, and we think we've got a right, and we think we, we are in the right, and we think this, that, and the other, but the reality is we're just believing lies. We're just believing lies. And if we would understand it for what it was and for what it is, this is an attack of the enemy. And carnal people are going to do carnal things. Sinners are going to sin. Carnal people are going to do carnal things. And sometimes that affects us. And sometimes, many times, the enemy uses carnal people to try to affect the saints of God. Come on now. I know what I'm talking about. He uses carnal people to affect the saints of God. And many times the decisions and the, the, the actions of carnal people come to us. And, and now that's affecting us and we're beginning. But then, but then that's when the enemy begins to work his work with the lies. With the lies. And I can't clarify all this and I can't articulate everything I'm saying. I know I'm preaching somewhat in general terms. But I'm, my prayer is, is that you're taking what I'm preaching and you're filtering it through your story. And it's making a little bit of sense to you what the Holy Ghost is trying to talk to you about today. And so we need to allow those moments to say, okay, no, no, no. I see what's going on here. I'm close to my victory. I'm close to my promise. I'm close to everything God has promised to me. And the enemy isn't happy and the enemy doesn't like it. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You ever, you ever think, I thought, I, maybe the Lord spoke this to me in prayer. You ever, you ever think what, what it how many messages we could have potentially been preaching out of the book of Judas? Turn to Judas chapter 3, verse 4. Now, what's the connotation of Judas? Failure. But it didn't have to be that way. The Lord saw something in him to cause him to be a disciple. Right? God didn't, he didn't make a mistake with that. And if Judas, if Judas would have continued being who God saw him to be and who God called him to be, it's just very well possible we'd be preaching messages today out of the book of Judas. But what did Judas do? Right on the threshold of this wonderful thing called the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Obviously, it was a few days after that, but it was pretty close in this span of time. Right on the threshold of this wonderful outpouring called the Holy Ghost on the world, what's he do? He believes a lie that he needs 40 pieces of silver. He believes a lie that money's going to fix his problems. He believes a lie that money is going to be the answer that he needs. And so he bails on Jesus for 40 pieces of silver. Then he realizes he's believing the lie, throws the money down, goes out and commits suicide, and the devil laughs the whole time. Because the enemy tricked him to believe a lie, and by believing the lie, it, it eventually destroyed not only his ministry, but his life. And the enemy's laughing the whole time, and this is what I'm trying to talk to somebody about right now. If you'll listen to your pastor, I'm trying to help you. 
that the enemy has he's, he's brought something into your life, whatever it was. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. And he's trying to use that thing, and it's a lie from the enemy. But you're trying to grasp a hold of it. You're trying to get a hold of it. You think it's something you need. I need this. I need to prove this. I need to show this. I need to have this. It's a need. It's a need. It's a need. I got to show it. I got to prove it. I got to get it. I got to obtain it, whatever it is. And the problem is, is what you're going to realize is when you actually get what you thought you wanted, you're going to realize you lost what you had. And you're going to get it, and you're going to finally think, well, I showed them, and I proved it, and I was right, and they were wrong, and I got this, and I got the whatever. I got the overtime. I got the car. I got the whatever. And at that point, you're going to realize, I got it, but it's not at all what I thought it was going to be. And in the getting of it, you're going to lose some stuff, and you're going to lose, and the enemy's going to come, and he's going to steal, and he's going to kill, and he's going to destroy, and he's going to mock you, and he's going to laugh at you because you were steps away from promise. But because you believed a lie and you thought you had to have this thing, it brought you down to a place where he stole everything from you. And I just don't want to see that happen to any saints of God in this church. And I'll tell you why. Because God is positioning us for the greatest days. I said, He's listen, he's positioning us for the greatest harvest this church has ever seen. And we need you in the place God has called you to fulfill. We need you operating in the fullness of your calling. We need you operating at 100% capacity capacity in the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost so don't believe the lie of the enemy and don't allow your flesh to get out of line don't allow your self will to get out of line at the time of harvest don't allow your emotions to get out of line at the time of your promise but I want us to just stay in line I know some days going to be easier than others and I know maybe somebody did you wrong and I know everything in you is crying out I want I want vengeance. I want vengeance. I want vengeance. But I'm just going to do what God told me to do. And I'm going to keep my flesh in line. And I'm going to follow my, the word of the Lord. And I'm going to submit my life to that book. And I'm going to crucify my flesh. If I got to ride the altar, I'm going to ride the altar. If I got to fast every day for a week, I'm willing to do it in order to keep my flesh aligned with the word of the Lord. Because what I want you to know is when you do that, when you do that. It's going to allow you to step into the promised land of God's glory. And it's going to allow you to witness everything God has for you. I know it's tough some days. I know it's going to be tough. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to act. This is how I want to respond. This is how I want to think. This is how I want to do. And in those moments... You need to tell yourself, I just need to stay in line. God, you're going to have to help me today because I feel like busting this line down. God, you're going to help me today because I want to stay in the parameters of your word. And I want to stay in what is righteous according to your word. And I want to think like you're telling me to think. And I want to act how you tell me to act. And I want to respond like you tell me to respond. And I want to live like you tell me to live. Because if I do, and again, nobody says that's going to be easy, but it is Bible. 
And if we will do it, it'll position us. It'll position us. Ooh. I think I'll close with this, but Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. That will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. All throughout Scripture, we find that the right hand of God, it speaks of his governance. It speaks of his governing. The right hand. The right hand. Right? You got that. The right hand of God. It speaks of his governing. It speaks of this is the way it's going to be. It speaks of this is what the book says. It speaks of this is my word. The right hand of God. And sometimes it's in these moments when we have conflict that that right hand of God is something we start kind of bucking up against. His governance. We don't want to be governed by the Lord at that point because we want to do what we want to do. We don't want to be governed by his will because we want our will to just be able to do what it wants to do. Am I right about it? I'm not the only one, right? But what we have to understand is what the book says. It says, at thy right hand are what? Pleasures forevermore. That word evermore is a word that means continually or perpetually or limitless. So yes, the hand of God, the right hand of God is going to draw some lines. Hear me and I'm, I'm done. But the right hand of God is going to set up some parameters. The right hand of God, the governing of God is going to set up. So I want you to think this way and I want you to live this way and I want you to act this way according to my word. This is what I want you to do and this is the proper way and the righteous way. And I know sometimes as he, the right hand of God sets up those lines. Sometimes we want to resist those lines. But we have to understand that the same hand of God that governs us also releases to us a peace that is perpetual and pleasure that is limitless. Is that what the book says? And this is why the enemy doesn't want us to stay in the lines. This is why the enemy wants us to get outside of what the right hand of God has established for us as apostolic believers because he knows it's in the boundaries that we find the blessings. It's in the boundaries where we find the peace. It's in the boundaries uh, that we find pleasure forevermore. And so the enemy says, no, 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 you need to do what you want to do. You need to work. You need, that, that's what you think. You just go with what you think, what your will is. Man, you, you need to do that. You need to get revenge. Oh, no, 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 no. Because it has nothing at all to do with you, and it has nothing at all to do with the situation, and it has nothing at all to do with the other person. It has, the devil doesn't care about that at all. All he wants is for you and I to get out of line because then he knows, I got him. Because once they get out of line, the Lord is not bound by his word to give them pleasure forevermore. And he's not bound by his word to give them peace. And he's not bound by his word to give them blessing. And now they're going to be outside of the blessings of God. And when we're outside of the place that God has positioned us for blessing, we are an easy target for the work of the enemy. Oh, hallelujah.
Jesus. So church, oh hallelujah. I, I want to, and we're going to take some time and pray this evening. And I prayed, I prayed a couple times today as I studied and come in here and pray. And I prayed and I just recommitted myself. God, I don't want to believe any lies. And I want to see the promises. And I want to see prophecies fulfilled. And I want to see this place packed out. And I want to see the vision fulfilled. And I want to see 25 campuses started. And I want to see lives forever changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. And because I want to see it, I've got to make sure that I'm keeping myself in the parameters of the book. And I need to live righteously. And I need to live godly. And I, I can't do what my flesh would want me to do. And I can't do what my will would want me to do. But i got to rain that stuff in to the will and the purpose of God. But the reality is this. If us as a church are going to see, and I'm done, but if us as a church are going to witness everything God has promised, it's going to be because more than just two or three are staying in the lines. I know we're never going to get everybody. Obviously not, not anybody in the room. I'm talking about other people. We're never going to get everybody to do this. But if we can get a bunch of us living right, living holy. You say, does that mean we're never going to make mistakes? No. We're going to make mistakes, possibly. But when we do, immediately we repent of our sins. And we ask God to help us. But we have some people that understand, listen, i got to keep my emotions in check. And I got to keep my will in check. And I got to keep my tongue in check. And I need to allow the word of the Lord to govern me. And what I do and how I act and how I live, I need to live according to his righteousness. And oh, my friend, whoo, let me tell you this and I'm done. But the Lord can do far more with someone who's maybe less talented, less skilled, but they're staying in the boundaries of righteousness, he can do far greater with someone like that than somebody who is extremely talented but is always outside of the lines. Oh, hallelujah. So talent doesn't cover up anything, and ability doesn't cover up anything. I, I, I learned a long time ago for me, for me as a preacher, a long time ago, just as a young, young preacher, somebody said, you can't out-preach your life. You can't preach so good that it covers over how you're living. No talent. But if God can find some people and say, you know what, I might not be the most talented, and there might be others that are better at this than I am. But you want to know something? Every day, I'm going to crucify my flesh. And every day, I'm going to ask God to help me stay in that book.
And every day I'm going to ask God to help me to stay within the laws and the lines of righteousness and holiness and on and on and on. And when I have a feeling to want to lash out or when I have a feeling to do something to my own will or of my own emotions, I'm going to let the Holy Ghost within me to be that filter. And it's going to pull me back to the place where I need to be. If God can find somebody like that, maybe not as talented, maybe not as gifted, but God can do tremendous things through somebody like that. You believe that? Amen. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a few minutes. I want us to take a few minutes. I want to open this altar back up. Please remember what I said on Sunday. I almost talked about it again. I still, I'm still fighting back for this altar. We, we lost some stuff. Just to be frank and honest, we lost some stuff uh, as it applies to the altar during COVID, and I'm fighting for it to get it back, and I need some saints of God to help me to get it back. Amen. But I'm, I want us to stand. I want us to stand please. And I want us now to find a place. If you're comfortable in the altars, I, I, I would just ask. I would ask you to come down to the altars. If not, I understand in your pew. But I want us as a church right now, I wonder if there could just be a spirit of prayer that, that moves upon us as a people, spirit of prayer that moves upon us as a church, and where we take personal responsibility for the revival that God is giving us. Where we take, it's not about, hey, well, somebody else is going to do it, and somebody else is going to carry the load, and somebody else is going to carry the burden for that revival and for that harvest that pastor's talking about and that we may even feel in our own spirit. But I wonder if there could be somebody in this room who takes personal responsibility and say, listen, if it's going to be what God has promised us, I'm going to have to do something. And there's a part I have to play. And there's some things I'm going to have to do. And so God, rein me in right now. If there's any part of my life that is out of line, if there's any part of my life that is out of order, if there's any part of my life that is beyond the boundaries of your word, my emotions, my attitude, my will, my words, whatever it is, if there's any part of that, God, that is outside of the lines that your word has established, I want to pull it back in right now in this altar. I want to pull it in right now during this prayer time so that when I leave this place, I can know, I can know, God, I'm not hindering the revival. I'm not hindering anything that you would do in this church. But, God, I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm doing what I can do, God. I'm doing everything I know to do. Come on, that's it. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, ask God to search your heart. Come on, get open and honest with the Lord. Let him get open and honest with you right now. Let God speak to you. Maybe there are things going on in your life that you didn't even realize was really an attack of the enemy. You thought it was between you and somebody else. You thought it was just you and somebody else, but God's trying to help you to understand it's not about that. The enemy's at work. The enemy sees you're one step away from promised land. I wonder if I could get some saints of God right now to just begin to lift your voice in prayer. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. God, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent. God, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit, oh God. God, whatever I'm doing that I'm not supposed to do, however I'm thinking that I'm not supposed to think, Whatever I'm saying that I'm not supposed to say, God, I want you to govern me. I want your word to govern my mouth. 
I want your word to govern my eyes. I want your word to govern my tongue. I want your word to govern my hands. I want your word to govern my feet. Govern where I go. Govern my steps. Govern, God, the direction my life is taking. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, this message was for the entire church tonight. Come on, the enemy's messing with all of us or would desire to. The enemy's trying to lie to all of us. The enemy's trying to pull us down. He doesn't want us to be victorious. We need to allow the Holy Ghost to show us where the lies are. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. That's it. Let's make it personal now. Come on, let this prayer be a very personal prayer about us. About our hearts. About our personal minds. Not about our brothers and sisters, but about us. God, what's going on in my mind that shouldn't be going on there? What am I dwelling on, God, that I shouldn't be dwelling on? God, I repent, I repent, I repent. God, show me, Lord, show me, Lord. Reveal to me, oh God, every area of my life where I'm out of line. God, wherever I am out of line, show it to me, Lord. I want to be pure, I want to be holy, I want to be righteous, oh God. I don't want to defend myself. I want you to defend me, God. I don't want to fight my own battles. I want you to fight my battles for me, oh God. Oh, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God, I want to give you that right. Take it out of my hands. God, I release it. I release it from my hands to your hands. Uh. Come on, somebody needs to let go of vengeance right now. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. The book says vengeance is God's. You need to give that right back to God. Get it out of your hands and put it back into his hands where it belongs. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> God, I don't want to hinder anything that you have promised this church. God, I don't want to be the cause that hinders anything. I don't want anything in my life, God, to hinder anything that you have promised us as a people. I want to be a conduit you can use. I want to be a vessel you can flow through. I don't want to be a vessel that stops anything, that hinders anything, God. I want you to be able to flow freely through me, Lord. Oh God, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent. 
God, show me, show me, show me, Lord. Reveal to me, Lord. Reveal to me every attitude. Reveal to me every bit of pride. I repent of any pride in my life, God. I repent of a proud look, a proud tongue. I repent of any pride in my life. It's nothing to do with me. It's all about you, oh God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, I repent of anything in my life, Lord, any time, Lord. I've thought about another brother, another pastor, Lord God. Any time, Lord God, that I might have wanted to pull them down for some reason or the other, Lord. I repent of that. I want to esteem all others higher than myself. I want to esteem all others higher than myself, oh God. I want to esteem all others higher than myself, oh God. God, I want to esteem all others higher than myself, Jesus. Oh, I want to encourage all others. I want to lift up all others. I want to pray up for all others. I want to be a blessing to all others, oh God. I want to be a sense of strength to all others, oh God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, I want to be an encouragement to the body of Christ. I want to lift up the body of Christ. I don't want to tear it down. I don't want to tear down the body of Christ. I want to lift them up, God. Oh, Hallelujah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Let me, let, let, me, let me help us, all of us, and we'll be done here. But let me just, just say this. What I'm talking about tonight, those, those lies of the enemy. How many, know, how many know the devil's very subtle? He's very subtle. And so what I taught tonight is it, it's, it's, it's so integral it's not, it's not just a Bible study I came up with. Ah, I'll teach that tonight. It's so integral if we're going to see what God has called us to see. We're going to have to do this or we're not going to see it. Okay? So integral. And the enemy knows that, and the enemy's very subtle. 
And so as it, when it comes to the lies of the enemy, what you have to understand is that the lies are probably not going to be blatant. And so I want to encourage us as saints of God. I want to encourage us. Because if we're not careful, we can do this. I remember several years ago, I, uh, and I've, I've done it on and off since, but when I was teaching about holiness and, and being, being holy, being holy unto the Lord, and I had everybody come up and pray you know, uh, to, to get anything in our, out of our lives that isn't holy. And I had somebody come up to me afterwards, and they were like, Pastor, I, I, uh, you know, I, I prayed, and I was up there, but I could not think of one thing. That I was doing wrong is what they said. I couldn't think of one thing that I was doing wrong. And I said, well, I said, okay, think, now think about this. I said, because if, if, if you're saying there's not one thing that you're not doing wrong, that means like you and Jesus are. The reality is it's not that there's, there were things that, this individual wasn't doing wrong, it's that they weren't aware of them. You see the difference? And, and many times that happens with people that have been in church a long time. And what happens is, you know, there's some stuff that it is, uh, that maybe the things that they're doing are so subtle or so much a part of them that, that it, they don't recognize it as quickly as some of the first, when they first got in church, the sins. And so I made that point to say this. It's the same, it's the same with the lies of the enemy. Hear me and I'll be done. But it's the same as the lies of the enemy. Because what happens is, you know, we call people up and they come up here and they pray for a while and they're like, you know, am I, I don't know what lies I'm believing. I don't, I don't know if, if I'm believing any lies. I think I'm in the lines. I feel like I'm doing pretty good. And so, you know, we pray for a little bit and we think what? That, that message was for somebody else. Come on now. That, must, that message was for somebody else because I don't really know any areas in my life where I'm out of line. But what, what we need to do as a church is we need to make sure that it's not just the 10 minutes that we responded to the word of the Lord tonight, but tomorrow in our prayer time and the next day in our prayer time, we ask God, okay, God, we, I, I, there's, there's, there's some subtle stuff. The enemy's smart and he's wise and he's subtle. And it's just possible that the enemy of my soul is, is, has worked in my life to such a degree and such a subtle de degree that I am believing lies and I don't even realize I'm believing lies. That I'm doing stuff and I don't even know I'm doing it. I'm responding in ways that I don't even realize is based, my response is based on a lie I'm believing. And I don't even realize and I don't even know it. And I need revelation. I need revelation because I can't see it myself. I can't see it myself. So God, you're going to have to show it to me. But in order to do that, how I many we got to get serious as it applies to prayer? Oh, hallelujah. We're going to have to get serious about this. This is what I'm trying to speak to us about as a church. I do, I, I'm telling you, God is setting us up. I'm not just saying it. He's setting us up. We're beginning to see it. And if we're going to see it, and if we're going to witness the totality of what God wants us to see, we're, we have a part to play. And part of that is where as many individuals in this room as possibly will, will get serious about what I preached about tonight, and we'll make it a matter of prayer, sincere prayer for the next several weeks, whatever it is, to make sure that there's any lies we are believing, that we are open 
and close enough in our relationship with God to be able to have him speak to us what that lie is so then we can get it out. Make sense? Let's lift our hands. Let's, in conclusion, lift our hands. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your word. God, I just want to see it. God, I want to see it. 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 Hallelujah. 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 I want to see it. Whatever I got to do, whatever I got to do, whatever you want me to do, show.